Well, what time is it? You know it's maritime. Welcome to our podcast where we talk about all things maritime. You know, the maritime industry is a major driving force in the global economy, and it affects all of us where we live. Our goal with this podcast is to raise awareness about the extraordinary people and amazing companies in this industry. And I'm so excited to talk today with Kate Mickelson, the Executive Director of the Columbia River Steamship Operators Association, also referred to as CRISOA. Hi there, I'm Colin Folon. I'm your host and a maritime lawyer at Schwabi Williamson and Wyatt. Today, I'm talking with Kate Mickelson. Before becoming Executive Director of CRISOA in Portland, Oregon, Kate was a civil engineer in Juneau, Alaska. She holds a master's degree in public administration from the University of Alaska Southeast, as well as a bachelor's degree in civil engineering and construction management. Now, CRISOA was established back in 1922. It'll be 100 years old next year. And CRISOA's mission is to facilitate trade, provide business leadership, exercise principles of environmental stewardship, serve as an industry focal point, and promote operating policies and practices that are safe, reliable, efficient, and cost-effective. Its members include ship owners, operators, agents, launch services, towing and bunkering, as well as facilities and ports along the Columbia River, the Willamette River, the Snake River, and Oregon Coast River systems. Kate, what a neat path you've taken, and I'm really impressed by Crisoa, uh, this organization that you're executive director of. Thanks so much for being on the podcast. Thanks for having me, Colin. I really appreciate it. And thank you for the warm introduction. Well, my pleasure. I've got to ask you first and foremost, how and why? Tell us the story. Did you go from living in Juneau, Alaska, to then living in Portland, Oregon and serving at Crisoa? I had always aspired to be a city manager, and I studied civil engineering and construction management in college, just as you mentioned. And I had completed a couple of long-term internships for two different municipalities. And then I started my career for a marine civil engineering firm in Juneau, P&D Engineers, who I had also worked for while I was an intern. I stayed there for about a decade, and I completed my Master of Public Administration then. But in the course of my engineering career, determined that the way the public often misunderstands some of the lengthy process of municipal projects, and then generally treats city managers, they get fired a lot. And (laughs) I decided that that wasn't for me. So I chose association management instead, and I'm really thrilled with the choice. Well, that's great. I hadn't thought about that, but uh, that's a good reason to make a switch. I've got to ask you, obviously, how would you describe your job, what you do to people who are outside the maritime industry and and aren't members of Crisoa? Yeah, well, this one's kind of a tough one. When I bought my first boat right out of college, I had one CD on it because this was in CD times. I guess maybe it was two CDs. It was Tina Turner's Greatest Hits. <laughs> you know, she sings about a riverboat queen, right? In Proud Mary. I think it's a cover of a CCR song you, you probably know. Anyway, <laughs> I think that that's typically what people think that we're working on. They get the steamship and the steamboat and those beautiful stern wheelers kind of mixed up. So we have to first get them to the right vessel. Mm-hmm. And then we're able to have a discussion on how we support the maritime industry related to large ocean-going deep draft vessels that are carrying our foreign trade. The Columbia River Trade Corridor is truly the lifeblood of our regional economy. We mm-hmm. support 56 million tons of foreign trade 
at a value of over $21 billion annually. And our very active river system, it delivers vital goods and services to the world. We contribute to our regional economy and it creates jobs, about 40,000 jobs. Our association, we really strive to lower costs to operators and promote an efficient and cost-effective river system by supporting different projects and infrastructure that helps to make the ports in the Columbia River increasingly popular for commercial ships and shippers to come and do business. And that's a purpose that we have maintained for decades. That's awesome. You know, it's it's funny having grown up in Portland and lived in both Oregon and Washington, you know, share the Columbia River. It really wasn't until I started working as a maritime lawyer that I really understood the importance of the Columbia River to the region and to the economy. I think a lot of Pacific Northwesterners, they see the river, they know it, they love it, they think it's beautiful, but they just don't understand what an active, powerful part of the economy it is. Yes. So if you grew up in Oregon, the Oregon Public Ports Association will tell you that one out of every six jobs is tied to ports. So just a a quick little thing, if if you know, over 65,000 acres or 100 square miles of land need to be harvested to fill one of the vessels that call the Columbia River. That's twice the land area of Salem. And so then if you're from Washington, Washington's actually the most trade dependent state in the nation with one in every four jobs being tied to ports. And that's Washington public ports to tell you that. So with the same, that 65,000 acres or 100 square miles, that's nearly six times the land area of Olympia that would need to be harvested to fill one of the ships that call here in the Columbia River. Isn't that fascinating? That, that is amazing. And I just hope our listeners, next time they're driving by the Columbia River, they look to the side and they think about that because I, I had no idea those numbers, especially the number of jobs tied to it. That's fascinating. And as we were talking before the podcast, you indicated to me that in your work as executive director, you've amassed a lot of knowledge about shipping, including weird facts. Anything that other ones you think you could entertain our listeners with? Yeah, sure. So right now we're seeing a lot more container vessels call the Columbia River to Port of Portland's Terminal 6. And I think one of the things that we all forget is that at any given time, several million shipping containers can be traveling the world's oceans on ships, just like those that we're going to start seeing more and more of here in our river system. One thing that really always gets me, though, is the International Chamber of Shipping. They'll tell you that about 90% of world trade is carried by the international shipping industry. And one thing that is just awesome is that without shipping, the import or export of affordable goods and different food that we eat would not be possible. Mm. And they they go on to tell you that half of the world would starve and the other half would freeze without international shipping industry. Wow. Wow. It boggles the mind to think about. It really does. You know, I, I said at the top of this, uh, noted that Crusoe will be 100 next year, but I have to know, any celebration plans for the 99th birthday? Oh, we sure do. We celebrate all of our birthdays. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's important to celebrate. Sure. But we uh, we did. We celebrated our 99th birthday. We did it on 9-9 with a 99 bottles of beer on the wall-themed event. So we had a small outdoor gathering at Stormbreaker Brewery. It was so nice to see everyone. 
We may not have made it to all those 99 bottles of beer, but so strangely, a lot of us actually fell in love with the non-alcoholic sour that they had there. So that's a really fun one to try out if you need a a non-alcoholic beer sometime. As far as our, our centennial, our board did just form a committee so that we can get ready for for that big event. And I'm really just thrilled to be here while we celebrate that. It's just incredible milestone. That's great. And it's it's nice to get folks together, especially during these pandemic times of ours. You know, I know one aspect, intended or not, I think that folks experience through Crisoa is great opportunities for members to network and get together. Have you been able to do anything like that during the, the pandemic, offering your members those kind of opportunities? We've done a wide variety of different things. We did a nautical mile fun run uh, that was virtual. It was all on your own. We only required photo proof. And so a nautical mile is just a smidge over a mile. We told them that they could run it or walk it or skip it. They got a free t-shirt at the end. And so that was really wonderful. And that was part of our 98th birthday. So we did that last fall. We did a ship watching series. So every Tuesday in July, we took our members on a hike or a walk of some of the great trails along the Columbia River that are really mm. wonderful for ship watching. Kalama and Vancouver waterfronts are just beautiful. Mm-hmm. Kelly Point Park in Portland, if you go out onto the beach there off of the trail, you can look over and see a really active working waterfront, the port of Portland off to one side. You can see the confluence of the Columbia and Willamette rivers and see Shaver and Foss tugboats coming in and out of the water. You can see up to Vancouver and see ships in the Anchorage or Tidewater barge lines. It's really a great place to see so many vessels working. And then the trail to Warrior Rock Light is really great. I believe it's the smallest lighthouse here in Oregon, which is pretty neat. I didn't know that. We did a spring fling. And for that one, we did a virtual wine tasting with one of the local wineries. And that was really well attended. Lots of fun. We had little cheese and charcuterie boards sent (laughs) out to each one of the members. For our summer picnic, we did a luau outdoors. That was great. And then otherwise, we posted a lot of coffee and chats and virtual meetings and events Mm -hmm. and Our director of member services, Teresa Edwards, she's just done a great job getting people engaged and keeping them in a safe and healthy setting. That's so important. That's that's such a good mix. It sounds like you've been doing over the past uh, year and a half or or whatever it is. And I know from the past that Crisoa has a lot of programs for its members. And if I'm not mistaken, I heard one of them is called Cobalt. Am I right? And if so, what is that all about? Yes, you are right. Cobalt is actually, it's a traditional program that we have done. It's a week-long structured series of presentations and tours and discussion. And it's been offered to every newly arriving U.S. Coast Guard captain of the port or sector commander. But it's been expanded to all the senior level officers that are incoming Coast Guard men and women. And it's been offered at least once a year, every year since 1997. So it's something that we're really very proud of. The Coast Guard selected the title uh, Columbia Basin Leadership Training, and that's where the COBOL comes from. Mm-hmm. And so it's coordinated by the Crisella, but it's presented by all of the 
wonderful maritime industry leaders that we have here, many state and local government agencies, they send representatives as well. And so each of those presentations is a product of the agency or the organization that's presenting. And it really truly provides that information that those organizations leaders believe is gonna be the most beneficial to the Coast Guard and also to our industry. And so all these different sessions are designed to quickly acquaint the executive and mid-level federal decision makers with our maritime industry's issues, any concerns or priorities that we have, and really truly to just encourage open dialogue with our region's private sector leaders and experts. And so again, that's next week. And we're really looking forward to it. It's one of the biggest ones that we've had in a number of years. And we're really looking forward to welcoming all these men and women to the Columbia River. Wow, that's great. I might ask you, if you know off the top of your head, how long have you been doing that? Once a year, every year since 1997. Holy cow, that's great. Sounds like a really helpful program to acclimate new folks coming into the Coast Guard. In your mind, Kate, from, from what you've seen what would you say are maybe some of the bigger challenges or, or maybe trends that you think are going to affect the maritime industry in the next year or two or beyond? I think right now, one of the things that we're looking at is making sure that the seafarers become vaccinated and then are able to get home to their families. Mm-hmm. For a long time at the beginning of the pandemic, many of them were unable to leave their vessels and they had been on board for 17, 18 months, many of them without a contract. So we're really super grateful to our local customs and border protection for all the hard work that they did to help repatriate those that have been repatriated or back home to their home countries. And to the many people who've been involved in helping to secure onboard vaccinations, especially our local seafarer centers here. It's hard to imagine that. And for folks who don't know, that's well beyond that 17, 18 months. That's well beyond any voyage or contract that a seafarer would ordinarily expect, correct? That's correct. Some of them extended that whole time past the end Hmm. of their contract. Wow. That's remarkable. You have to remember also, Colin, that they may not have had Wi-Fi. (laughs) Wow. Pandemic on a boat without the internet. I can't, I, I just shudder the thought. No, it was hard for all of us to quarantine, but the idea of quarantining at work with no Wi-Fi, it, it, <laughs> that's rough. That's a, that's a tough one. Wow. Well, talking about you a little bit, how do you think your coworkers would describe you and what you do? Would my coworkers describe me? They probably describe me as energetic and engaging, but I think the ones I hear the most are strong and dynamic and team player, collaborative, hardworking, every once in a while fun. But generally, it's more <laughs> worth the other ones. All excellent qualities. What is it that, that motivates you? What gets you out of the bed in the morning to go do the work that you do? Oh, I love my job. It's different every single day. Nothing is ever the same. No two days are alike. And that really makes it interesting and engaging and easy to keep going. It never gets boring. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a blessing when you, every day is a new adventure over the course of, and it doesn't have to be limited to Crusoe or Maritime, but what's one really important thing that you've learned in life and how has that affected you? I have a few things that I think are my big lessons in life. Mm-hmm. I think first, above all things, be kind. That one really helps me to remember to try and spread joy 
you'll hear me say repeatedly, you have survived 100% of your worst days and you can survive (laughs) this one. And that one gets me through the rough days. I love that. I'm (laughs) going to remember that one. Always remember that. Take it with you on a really bad, crummy day. In our office, we always say to whom much is given, much is expected. And that really keeps me working hard, especially for the wonderful members and associate members that we have. Mm-hmm. And then um, I think they'll think lastly, one of my core ones is the people are not necessarily thinking about you. Mm-hmm. They're really thinking about what you're thinking about them. Mm-hmm. And that helps me to know what's best for me and keep me centered and balanced. And I think that's really important, especially for the amount of busy that we have in each day. Yeah. So Those it wasn't are, one, but that was a couple. <laughs> I love it. Those, I mean, there's such great humbling and centering and sustaining principles in life or life lessons. So thanks for that. Those are great. Thanks for sharing that with us. Oh, well, thanks for asking. Thank yeah. You. yeah. Well, it's one thing that you wish you had known before doing what you do at Crusoe as executive director. If you had to go back in time and tell your then self, hey, you really should know this, what would that be? Oh, gosh, Colin, I think it would have to be just how much I was going to love this job. I may have just pushed myself a little harder or made the choice sooner, but I truly love the work that I do and the people that I work with. And my last job was great too, but this this one really is uh, just wonderful, wonderful work. Well, that's great. And, and, you know, you've been in the industry long enough to not only stand the value on the economy, obviously, with those cool facts and figures you gave us, but also see the industry go through some changes over time. And each of the subsections of the maritime industry have done that differently at different times. But that's not always clear, I think, to people outside of the industry. So I just had to ask you, what would you say is one myth or misperception that folks have of the maritime industry in general or shipping specifically? I think not understanding just how huge the ships are. There's some photos that have been manipulated to show what a vessel looks like end to end downtown against all of the tall buildings and that it really kind of puts things in perspective. And then again, just not realizing just how green the maritime industry is and just generally how important these, these vessels are to the world and our global economy. That's a great point. And I've heard one of our other guests had noted that when you talk about being green, some folks are even getting ahead of what they anticipate will be environmental regulations or incentives and trying to get more sustainable now, uh, trying to even think about autonomous vessels and testing those out. There's a lot happening. Earlier, you mentioned the challenge of getting seafarers to get vaccinated with the pandemic. But on the other side of it, how would you say the shipping industry met the challenges of the pandemic, at least so far? I think our industry really did a great job. Here at the Crisoa, we started really early. We were on the news in January of 2020. We met with our incredible U.S. Coast Guard, Oregon Health, Washington Health, Multnomah County Health, the CDC. We got everybody in a room the first week of February, and then we really stayed on top of the issues. We came together as a team to be able to share information, and that really helped to keep people safe, um, informed, and kept commerce moving for our region. 
wow, you were early on that. January and February, you obviously had some foresight that benefited you. I reminded of when I was uh, up in Seattle for some depositions in mid-March or early March, and I was on a plane coming back and reading the news and thinking, what am I doing on the plane? This is not a good situation. But you, you guys obviously had the foresight to get on top of that early and protect folks. Uh, that's great. The Coast Guard really shared information with us right away. And then my best girlfriend from college lives in Hong Kong. Mm. And so the kids were already out of school really early. And that helped us to know that we really needed to be paying attention to these issues. Wow. Well, your connections and your friendships really can be a, a valuable asset. One thing I, when we talk about perceptions of the maritime industry, my mind goes to thoughts of diversity, equity, and inclusion. And who is running boats and ships and who are the people working in the industry visibly so, you know, and people talk about mirrors and windows and diversity. And I, I guess I want to ask you, what do you think the maritime industry or again, or shipping specifically can or ought to do to better foster diversity, equity, inclusion? I think working in a, a global industry, we really take great pride in connecting the yeah. world Mm -hmm. Our staff, our board, our committees, they're really comprised of highly capable and well-respected people that all come from diverse backgrounds, cultures, perspectives, and experiences to support our purpose and our mission. And that's really what helps us to thrive. Mm -hmm. One thing, Colin, is in our 100-year history, or our 99-plus-year history, 60% of our employees at the CRSOA have been women. Mm. Excellent. Excellent. Well, that's great. I think so too. Yeah, yeah. When you look back at your career, I'm sure there are many things, but your career so far, what's one thing that you're you're super proud of? I don't know if any one thing stands out, but I think cumulatively, when I look back, the work in general, but the persistence on each of the goals in order to accomplish them is what I'm most proud of because a lot of them take a lot of time, a lot of effort, a lot of hard work, a lot of dedication, a lot of networking, mm -hmm. communicating, and so on. And staying motivated is really what I'm most proud of. Mm -hmm. Well, so let me ask you this. Uh, hypothetically, if you could magically add one week to the year, how would you spend it? Whether work or non-work, what would you do with it? Oh, I would definitely spend it on non-work. I love work, <laughs> but I, I, I sit in this chair uh, for <laughs> a lot of hours each week. I have a, a pretty busy life outside of work. I have a lot of hobbies. I take every local arts class I can get into my schedule. That's one thing that I really enjoy doing. I'm working on a garden right now yeah. and a new home. So I've been working on getting about a thousand iris rhizomes in the ground. So that's been a really big weekend job for me. A thousand? A thousand. That sounds like a lot. Is that a lot? <laughs> so, yeah. That's a lot. Yeah. It's I, a lot. I'm going to go yeah. with a lot. But it's going to be gorgeous in about, you know, three to five years. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> and then I travel quite a lot, maybe not so much right now, but I was really lucky to get in a lot of travel in 2019. So I was able to visit most of the Baltic nations, parts of Asia, and then I'm down to two states left. So I'm hoping this year to get to Minnesota and Nebraska, knock all of those off. And Wait, then, so so you mean that you've visited every single state in the country except those two? I have. Oh my goodness. Yeah, I, I, um, I think one thing about travel is the more you travel, the more you realize 
the how few places you've been. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> it works that way. And then, of course, you've probably heard me talk about my sweet little old salty black lab, Detta. She's almost 14 now. She's worked with me every day for about 10 years. So I'm really just focusing on treasuring every last moment that I have with her. So I, I've been staying pretty busy. That's awesome. That's great. So here's a, a stump the guest uh, question for you. Okay. What's one question I should have asked you, but I didn't? Oh, uh, one question that you should have asked, but I didn't. One thing I can tell you that you didn't ask about was we can go back to how environmentally conscious the maritime industry is. Yeah. I think your listeners are driving out the gorge Mm -hmm. and they see those big barges. One thing I would want them to think about is each one of those is 134 trucks loads worth of uh, material or a four barge tow takes 538 trucks off the road. Wow. Takes uh, about five of those four barge tows to fill a Panamax ship. (laughs) So that's about 2,600 semi-trucks. And so that barging, not only does it take that many semi-trucks off the road, but it's the safest method of moving cargo. With a lower number of injuries, fatalities, and spill rates than both rail and trucks. And it's the most fuel efficient and has the lowest emissions. So I just wanted to kind of bring that back to your listeners for something that they may experience um, as they get out and do more road trips during COVID and explore their state. So just when you when you go past these ships. And these barges, just think about how environmentally conscious and green this industry is and what all they're bringing and how they really affect your life. What a great set of statistics. Uh, I think many people think when they think about moving goods, they do intuitively think about trucks and they do intuitively think about planes, but they really should be intuitively thinking about ships because not they're, they're reducing the, the effect on the environment. And also, of course, easing that traffic where you see all the, the many uh, trucks going up and down the, the highway. That's that's fascinating. And what a great question that I really should have asked you, but didn't. Uh, Kate, you, you won the prize on that one. What's the best way for our audience to learn more about you or Crisoa or connect with you if they've got uh, additional questions? So we have an incredible director of member services, Teresa Edwards, who I've mentioned before, and she can ensure that you're in the know on how to be a member or an associate member, or just be invited to one of our fun and informative events. You can check out our website at crisoa.net, or you can check out our Facebook page at CR Steamship, or just look on our, our website for newsfeed for updates. You can always email us at admin at crisoa.net with any questions. Excellent. And once again, that website is crsoa.net. And that's how you can learn a lot more information about Kate's organization. Well, thank you, Kate, so much for joining us today. And thank you to our listeners. That's all the time we've got for this episode. And we'll see you next time when you know it's maritime. <laughs>